Well, we appreciate God speaking to us afresh this morning in prophecy. And, you know, we're celebrating a new year and, and setting our heart upon God doing something new in our midst. Um, you know, if you can think of what's been taking place in the last uh, couple of years, they have been different, to say the least than years past, you know, and I think we can probably expect to see those differences continue into this year, maybe even some new differences. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, it, it kind of feels like we're, we've, we're living in kind of a different time on the earth, that things have changed a bit um, in circumstances. I mean, in times past, you could kind of live carefree and make plans and do stuff, but now you just have to be like, well, Lord, <laughs> is this going to work? Can we travel here or do this or that? Um, you know, but yet we're trusting that God is in control. He's still the God of the earth and the nations. But yet we're coming close to the end of this age in that sense, where we have to walk carefully and circumspectly, inquiring of the Lord and, you know, being led by his spirit and flow with what God is doing in this time and in this season because there's safety in doing that and we need safety in our day. Now, some verses that were really quickened to me uh, for this message and this new year were from Joshua. And it's really a phrase that was kind of quickened to me and will it kind of speaks of a larger theme that we'll look at, but... Um, and this is in Joshua chapter 3, and these verses take place as Israel is about to cross the Jordan and face the giants and possess their inheritance. And it says this in Joshua 3, in verse 1, it says, Joshua rose up early in the morning. They set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you will set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between it and you about 2000 cubits by measure. Don't come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You know, that phrase was really quickened to me. You have not passed this way before. And I, I think we're sensing God is doing some different things in the earth. And, you know, I'm feeling even for this year, God is going to do things and lead us in ways we have not been before. And that will require an amount of trust and, you know, hope in God that he's leading us, that he's guiding and directing us. But yet as we follow him, I, I love what it, then it says, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. See, if we can follow God in the new way and stay close to him, he's the God who does wondrous things. There's a few other things we can see it kind of packed into this passage that we'll look at and then we'll bring out the major theme. But um, one is they were about to enter into a new land they'd been waiting for, you know, that they had been anticipating. 
you know, a whole generation had passed by as they were waiting to enter the land. Um, and as they had been in the wilderness and God had tried to prepare them to inhabit uh, their inheritance, there were not there were quite a number of people who did not prepare and they didn't enter the land, which is quite scary. But there was a whole generation that did enter in. And that's the generation that we want to be a part of in the spirit. You know, Lord, we want to be that among that generation that enters the land and that takes our inheritance. Uh, you know, God led that generation in to do wonderful and marvelous things. Another thing that we see about Israel is that the ark led them. In fact, that's what happened throughout their whole journey, right? It was a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, and that led them their whole way through the wilderness and into the promised land. That must have been kind of a sense of comfort as an Israelite. You go out of your tent door and you look, yep, pillar's still there. We're in the right place. You know, and I don't know if that was kind of like a nightlight. If they had to walk out, they'd see the, the fire. Well, the fire of God is still there. We're, we're in the right place. He's leading us. You know, they, they knew they were not lost in that sense because the cloud and the fire were there. That was, you know, the Old Testament speaks in the natural. For us, it's spiritual. We can't see the fire. So we have to develop a spiritual sight and a faith to walk with God you know, to and God, but He wants to give us that same sense of assurance in our hearts that we're following Him, that He's leading us, that we're in the right way. And for Israel, sometimes for months, that pillar just stood there. And, you know, they couldn't go because that would have meant leaving the pillar. So they just had to wait. Other times they had to pack up and just move with the pillar wherever that pillar was leading Him. But then they followed. His glory across the Jordan River into the new land, into their inheritance. But as I mentioned, there was a whole generation that did not follow and that did not enter in um, to the new things that he had. And one of the reasons was they had a trouble accepting how God was leading them in that preparation time in the wilderness. You know that happened during Jesus' day as well. There's a good parallel to that. Um, There's a whole group of people, and they had uh, several names, you know, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the other Cs, you know, that, that were there, they had places of authority, they liked the traditions, they liked how things were going. And when Jesus came sharing something different, he was sharing grace and truth and glory. Not many from that generation saw it or wanted to receive it or follow in that pathway uh, because he was, he was doing something new. But he did lead a new generation into that new way of, of grace and salvation, and he did wonderful things among them. You know, and even in our day, there's a parallel of those who proclaim they know the truth and the right way to go and so forth, but we have to be careful who we listen to and not listen to what others are saying. We have to keep our eyes upon the ark and the pillar of, 
of cloud by day and the fire by night and the ark as it goes before us and follow that so closely because we are going in a way we have not been before and God wants to lead us. And so we have to keep our eyes so closely upon him and what he is saying. Of course, that means we have to get a spiritual uh, vision and a spiritual hearing. And it's so essential that we obtain that sense of what God is, wants to do in our midst, in our personal lives, in our church, and so forth. We're not concerned with what other people are saying. We're concerned with the glory and the ark and his pillar leading us. Because that showed the way for Israel, and we can believe that God will show the way to us if we inquire in his temple. And what are those new and wonderful things he wants to do? Well, there's that number in here, in, this, in these verses. It, we're given that number, 2,000 cubits. And you know, 2,000 in, in the scripture represents the church age. You know, we're living in the age of the church, that 2,000 year time period between the first coming of Christ and the second coming when, you know, at the end is when we see the fullness and the true glory that will come uh, when he comes again. But we also believe that God is, is going to cause the church to enter in to his glory at the end of the age, which we are close. I mean, we're 2022. We're, we're, we're nearing the end of the age here. And so we're asking God Lord, as you lead us across Jordan, may we know your glory. Lead us by your ark. Lead us by your glory. Let us have a taste of your glory. The glory of the ages to come in our age. That we'll be a people that's prepared and made ready. A church that's glorious. But you know, we also can't discount the reason for that long season Israel was in the wilderness. It had to be long because they were, wouldn't really flow with what God was trying to do in that season. It was supposed to just be two years between Egypt and Kadesh Barnea when God was working in them and preparing them to enter the land. He wanted them to go in after two years, but they just couldn't do it they, or they wouldn't do it. They refused. And so God says, okay, then you need another round, but this round is going to be 48 years. Thank God we're, we're not, we don't have to wait another 48 years. But God wants to work within us, but yet he wanted to do that something specific in the hearts of that generation. He wanted to prepare them for, to enter into the land. But that time was elongated because it, they were having trouble flowing with that work of preparation. You know, Jesus was trying to do that for the generation that he appeared to, to lead them into something new. He was going to do it in about three and a half years. Well, he did it in that time. But there were many that would not flow with that, with what he was trying to do. And so he shared a parable with them. And this is the parable he shared. And in Luke 5 and verse 37, he says, No man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and it'll be spilled and the bottles will perish. But the new wine has to be put in new bottles. And both are preserved. No man having drunk the old wine straightway desires new, for he says, the old is better. And we're reading the New King James here. 
When it says bottle, it was not plastic or glass. It was skin. It was wine skins. But it's really speaking of how God came the first time to bring his people into a new age, a new season, to do new things. But you know, to do that, it, it requires a new mindset. Uh, it requires a flexible mind, a flexible outlook, a willingness to be led in a way that we didn't expect or led in a way that's stretching, that's challenging. For the Jews, Jesus came preaching a message of allowing an inner work of grace and transformation. Later on, Paul said that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, we need a change in our thought life, in our pattern of thinking. Many in that generation had trouble receiving it and accepting that change because they were focused on the old, weren't they? They were focused on the way that it was done. They were comfortable with the, tra the traditions and so forth. Jesus kind of, every time he, he was sharing, one of the main things was to try and blow, blow the old stuff out of the water, say, this is why the new is so much better. He came to bring life, but he has to lead us in a new way. Sometimes that's hard and it's challenging, it's stretching. And if, if we're stiff and brittle like old wineskins, well, when you put the new wine in and it starts to ferment, meaning it starts to work and grow, one of the, the, the byproducts of that is CO2, gas, and it causes that wineskin to just blow up like a balloon. And if it's old and stiff, it cracks, and it, all wine is lost. And so Jesus said, I can't put new wine into those old stiff vessels, I need something that's soft, that's pliable, that, that can flow with the new. But that new wine, you know, obviously it's speaking to something of, of, of us in the spiritual realm of something beautiful that God wants to produce, new life flowing. It's very significant that on the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were fully flowing in the new, um, you know, there's a reference to this thought of the new wine, right? So the disciples are on the day of Pentecost speaking in tongues and they're filled with the spirit. And the new work is evident upon them. Uh, and, and so they went out among the people and they were probably in the temple and sharing and proclaiming the glory of God and speaking in, in new tongues and displaying the new power that was upon them. And some people made a comment. And in Acts 2 and verse 13, some mock saying, they're full of new wine. Well, you know what? They were. The wine of the Spirit, of a new experience. See, they had been stretched. They had been filled. The Holy Spirit had expanded them, worked in them. And they contained something new. And it was pouring out on that day. And it was very productive and powerful because many responded. And it was a new work. But not just that. We know that, that the disciples had been made new. right? Because just a month or so previously, the biggest thing among the disciples was who was going to be the greatest. And they were it, it, multiple times, Jesus had to address that of who was the greatest. And, you know, I had to bring a little child into their midst and say, you have to be like this little one who doesn't care about being the greatest. And if you want to be the greatest, you have to become the least. 
And Jesus had to constantly kind of correct them. I, I'm Something kind of in me wonders if he had to do that more times than was in the scriptures, that he just kind of had to have hints that it's not about being the greatest. It's about being the least, being the servant. I'm not declaring that, but it's just something I've wondered. But here they are a few days later, and they're totally transformed. They're flowing together. They're accepting the leadership of, of Christ through Peter, who himself had a big work of humility done in his life. They'd become soft, allowed God to do a stretching and marvelous work in their lives. Now, I want to hold that thought here for a moment, and we're going to come back to it. But there's something we can consider from Israel's time in the wilderness. And that's the, con- the idea that God's plan that he leads us on can be challenging to understand, to say the least. Right? Israel in the wilderness, it was hard to understand, right? It, it's Well, let me say this. It's easy to, to, when you're in Egypt to understand, I need to get out of here. Lord, deliver me from Egypt. And then you praise God. He delivers us. We cross the Red Sea. We're in, we're, we're out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Why are we, why are we in the wilderness so long? Lord, why are we passing through these different trials, lack of water, you know, enemies, desert? What, Lord, what is all this? That was hard for them to understand. Getting out of Egypt was easy for them to understand. They all wanted it. Being in the wilderness, that was a little bit harder. But they had to flow with what he was doing because he was working in their lives. In our day, it can be challenging for us to understand God's plans when in the world we see a lot of confusion, chaos, strife, difficulty. And we say, Lord, where is your plan in this? But something we can take comfort in is that not only is his plan perfect, but it's already been written. It's already determined. And when was it determined? Well, we can read a couple of verses about this. Revelation 13, verse 8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, speaking Jesus, speaking of Jesus, whose names are not written in the, the book of life of the Lamb, But here's the key. The lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. You know, the plan of God, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation. Before the world was created, he was already the lamb slain because it was already written. His plan was written and perfected before the world was created. Also, Ephesians 1 and verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him... And when were we chosen? Was it at our birth? No. We were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. We were chosen in him before the world was created. And of course, he could do that because he has perfect foreknowledge. He knows everything we're going to do and decide and how we're going to choose to follow him and, and so forth from the very beginning, but yet it was all planned out in detail. And that's something we can take comfort in because 
when I look at the world and when I read the news, I'm like, man, it's just chaos out there. Is anyone in charge? Well, it doesn't seem like that when you read the news, but yet we can be confident, yes, there is someone in charge. It's Jesus. He's the God of the nations. And his plan was written before the foundation of the earth. And we can rejoice in his plan. We can take comfort in it. It can be hard to see. It can be hard for us to discern in our, by our natural eyes, Lord, why are you... Why did you let the coronavirus come throughout all the earth and so that we couldn't go to the nations and minister and, you know, that kind of challenge? In our natural mind, that's hard to understand. We only see the chaos. But yet we can believe that the God who planned it perfectly from the foundation of the earth, there's goodness and perfection in his plan if we have eyes to see it. There's something I felt uh, concerning this that kind of ties back to what we were, were talking about previously about new wineskins, is that our difficulty in seeing his plan and the circumstances we're going through, and, and this is what I felt God speak, is that if we will rejoice in him, this rejoicing would enable us to see his goodness in the midst of difficulty. We're in the chaos and the difficulty of this world, and it's hard to see and understand why things are taking place. But I felt the Lord speak. It's that as we rejoice, that God will cause us to see his goodness in the land of the living. He'll cause us to see his plan and his purpose for our lives. And, you know, God has been speaking that to us a lot here in messages and in prophecy of the necessity of rejoicing in him and, and developing a rejoicing spirit. And this ties in very well to that, that previous thought of about new wineskins. You know, the disciples were, disciples were filled with new wine, which speaks to us of the joy of the Lord. And in order to be new wineskins and to flow in his new things, we also have to flow in his joy and rejoicing. That is such a key. If we have a rejoicing spirit, that will help us stay soft and supple and able to flow with what he has. You know, if we don't have a rejoicing spirit, then it's hard. And it's hard to see why we need to go through something. But when we start rejoicing, we're acknowledging, God, you're good. Lord, you can turn all things for good. Lord, your plan's perfect. And we turn our spirit into those thoughts. And then it's, okay, Lord, you're going to keep us. You're going to preserve us. We're going to submit to you. You will lead us through to the other side into our, the land of our inheritance. So often when you look at Israel, you know, the key for Israel was to rejoice and to look to God with hope and expectation. Of course, we have the classic story of King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 17, when they faced the, the, the two nations that were coming against them, Ammon and Moab. And the king, Jehoshaphat, said, Lord, what do we do? And God spoke to him. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, he said, You shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. 
but they were to go out into the wilderness and face their enemy, but they weren't going to fight a normal battle. Uh, they didn't participate in the, the normal way, something they didn't understand, maybe in the natural mind. They, they were not to send out their archers. They were not to send out the cavalry. I don't know if they had a cavalry, but you know they weren't to send out the normal group of soldiers to, to start the, the battle. Instead, the Lord said this, or the Lord led them in this way. And then in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21, he said, and when he consulted the people, you know, the king felt he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, praise, comma, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which came out against Judah, and they were smitten. And what happened is, as the people began to praise God and the singers lifted their voice and, and started to, to sing and glorify the Lord, something marvelous happened. The enemy began to attack themselves, each other. You know, I don't know what happened, but God put some confusion upon the, the minds of the enemy. And they thought, well, the enemy's right there. And they started fighting against each other. And they destroyed themselves. Israel won that battle without even drawing a sword. They used other weapons, but they're spiritual weapons. It was, in fact, it was a very New Testament battle, right? Because they, they didn't fought, fight with shield or spear or sword. They fought by rejoicing in the name of the Lord, by using the weapons of praise and worship. And God wants to lead us in that way so that we can defeat our enemies. And, you know, sometimes we don't even need to, to try and come against our enemies. We just praise God and it causes our enemies to flee. And that as we develop a rejoicing spirit in the midst of our challenging times, in the midst of the confusion and the chaos and the difficulty, that as we rejoice, we'll begin to see God moving. Maybe we won't understand the whole plan, but yet we'll see, we'll get a glimpse. Oh, the ark is going this way. This is the way. Walk ye in it. And God will give us the peace and assurance to walk in that way as we rejoice. One last illustration from Scripture, and, and this applies directly to what we see from Joshua because the first city they came to was Jericho. And God had some, again, some unique instructions for them that weren't the normal thing, you know, of, okay, you're going to take the city. What's the first thing? You, you surround it, do an encampment, you know, lay siege to the city. Well, no, God didn't say that. He said, gather everyone up, get the singers there and the, and the trumpeters, and you're going to walk around that city. And then he had a unique way to, to lead them to victory. But God wanted to lead them to salvation, lead them to uh, get the victory over that enemy. And, and so the first thing is they were to walk around the walls and they were to be silent. Hmm. That's, that's a little different. But you know, sometimes when you face an enemy and the enemy's making accusations and trying to 
cast doubt and so forth, sometimes the best response is no response and just lift our heart to God. Not to engage, but just continue lifting our hearts to the Lord and praising Him and worshiping Him. But then the ultimate victory for Israel came as they sounded the trumpet. And it says they gave a mighty shout. And when they did that, the walls crumbled. Now that's something they hadn't seen before. You know, whereas before they could not get into that city, but when they praised God, they could walk in wherever they wanted because the walls fell down. But they had to follow God's plan. It was a new way. They hadn't experienced those kind of things before. But God was able to lead them. And the, the trumpet sounded and they gave a mighty shout and the walls fell down and they saw the goodness of God in His plan. You know, there was a, a prophecy in one of our services previously and it went along the lines that, that as we shout our praises unto God, He would come into our midst and that we would experience the sound of the shout of the King. And when the King shouts, the enemies flee. And that's what we want. And so we want God to come into our midst and cause us to see His goodness in His plan and in His purposes for us, to experience His victory over our enemies. But to do that, we have to develop and maintain a rejoicing spirit because it's a new season. And God's leading us in ways that we have not been before. I don't know what we're going to see this year. I don't even want to theorize. I just want to trust God and be able to rejoice when whatever surprising thing comes our way, doesn't matter what it is, we can say, oh God, thank you that you're in charge. This is not a surprise to you. In fact, you, you're in charge of it all. But we can rejoice. But the only way we're going to be able to continue in that is if we flow with it. Allow God to do that work to become new wineskins, to be soft and flexible. We have to be able to flow in the new things He wants to do. And He's going to lead us in that new way with His ark going before us. And the call is to follow Him and to respond to Him and go forward with hope and expectation that there will be goodness that we will see. We're going to see the goodness of His plan and rejoice and maybe even give a mighty shout and as that happens, the enemy will flee and we will enter into those, the, you know, the victories that Israel had in, in those two occasions, they were very New Testament victories. And they speak to us of what God wants to do. They didn't lift a weapon in the natural, but they lifted their voices in praise and God gave them the victory. And so it's a year of new things, of being led in a new way, but as we develop a flexible and rejoicing spirit, God will show us His goodness and His plan and His power will be revealed. Father, we just thank You. Thank You for Your good plan. Lord, that You have a plan that's so perfect and wonderful and it was written before the foundation of the world. And Lord, we just want to flow with that. Lord, we pray that You would Lord, and we invite you to do that work within us, that we would be, Lord, like the new wineskins. We'd be soft. We'd be flexible. Oh, God, help us to flow. Lord, just 
Lord, we invite you to even soften any areas of our heart that that where there's hardness, Lord God, make us soft to flow with you and respond to you and contain the new and wonderful things you want to put within us. Oh, lead us in your way. Lord, give us a rejoicing spirit and help us to maintain it. Oh God, and rejoice in you, no matter what we see with our eyes, that we would lift our eyes unto you from where our help comes from. Oh God, and that we would see your power and your glory come. And we just thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.